Good morning, church. Welcome, welcome. Good to see you. Welcome you are joining at home. Take a breath. Breathe in, breathe out, and uh, get ready to hear from the Lord. Let's go to the Word. And as I read this, just listen for the places that God is speaking into you and what you are and who you are, how he sees you. All right. First Peter 2, 2 through 10. You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you can grow into the fullness of your salvation. Cry out for this nourishment as, ba- as a baby cries for milk. Now that you have tasted of the Lord's kindness, come to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by the people, but, it, but he is precious to God who chose him. And now God is building you as living cornerstones into the spiritual temple. What more, you are God's holy priests who, who offer the spiritual sacrifices that please him because of Jesus Christ. As the scriptures express it, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, a chosen cornerstone, and anyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. Yes, he is very precious to you who believe, but for those who reject him, the cornerstone that was rejected by the builders has now become a cornerstone. And the scripture also says, He is the cornerstone that makes people stumble, the rock that will make them fall. They stumble because they do not listen to God's word or obey it. And so they meet the fate that has been planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a very, for you are a chosen people, a kingdom of priests, God's holy nation, his very own possession. This is so you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you received none of God's mercy, now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Father God, you've called us a royal priesthood chosen by you. We thank you, Father God, for your mercy that you've showered upon us, Lord God, that... You love us so much. Father God, I ask that you would watch over this service, Lord God, that you would touch each person that is here, those who are at home, that they would feel your presence, feel your love, feel that connection with you, Lord God. May each of us enter in to worship with our voices, with our minds, with our hearts, Lord God. Bless this time. Bless the word as it comes. Bless our worship to you. May every part bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me and follow along with the youth as... Oh, I thought you said the youth were going to do it. You. You said you, not youth. Aha. Follow along with me as I recite it. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, the communion of all believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and a life everlasting. Amen. Let's worship. 
morning, everybody. I don't know what kind of a week you've had. I had a good week. So sometimes that happens, right? Sometimes you have a good week. But there are those, those weeks where, you know, the, the song here talks about the darkness rolling over you. Maybe you've had that kind of week. The presence of God is here. Even if you don't sense it, it is here. And in my view, in my experience, the best way to sense that presence is to praise him. So I would encourage you to do that. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own, when brokenness and pain is all I know, I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your
would like to welcome you who are joining us online and let you know this is your prayer time too. There's no correct place for prayer. Wherever you are, in your kitchen, in your bedroom, in the den, join with us now as we beseech the Almighty God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Oh, Lord, we want to see Jesus. We want to see his glory. We want to experience his grace. And so open our eyes and open our hearts and hear us as we pray this morning. Oh, God, be merciful to us, for we have sinned against you. Sometimes we've just done the wrong things, and other times we have not acted according to your will or your plan for us. We are people with unclean lips, and we live among a people of unclean lips. The times the words of our mouths reveal the flaws in our character. And so we ask you to cleanse us from our sins and to fill us with your spirit and build in us your character, Lord, so that we might not sin against you. We are grateful to you for our health, for our families, for our friends, for other members of our Faith Discovery Fellowship here. But most importantly, we are grateful for our salvation, which cost us nothing and cost you everything. Thank you for empowering us by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Thank you that when we are confused, we can turn to that Holy Spirit for guidance and wisdom and thank you for your word, Lord, written under the inspiration of that Holy Spirit and whose truths are revealed to us this day by that same Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to become students of your word and disciples of Christ. Help us to always be prepared to witness our faith to others around us, assured that the Holy Spirit will help us even with the thoughts and the very words we need to share. Once again, we lift up the prayers of our church to you, aware that you know our every need and desire before we even think it. Again, for those who are ill, we are asking for healing in Jesus' name. And for those who are asking the big questions about you, about why they are here, about how they fit in your plan, Lord, grant us your wisdom. And for our church, Lord, we ask for your guidance. Give us a fresh vision of what faith discovery can accomplish in your name and in your direction. And as we continue to seek you in this time of rapid change, guide us. O oh, thou great Jehovah, for truly we are pilgrims in this barren land, and we depend on you, Lord, for all things, great and small.
bless now the remainder of the service. We pray that your anointing would rest on our pastor as he brings the word to us this morning. Please, Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts and minds to receive what your spirit is saying to us this day. All of these things we ask in the name of your son, Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen and amen. Take a minute and find somebody maybe that you're not familiar with or you don't know and introduce yourself and welcome to Faith Discovery. Good morning. We are glad that you are here. We are planning for Baptism Sunday. Baptism Sunday will be June 11th. And if you are interested, you can look at this page in your bulletin, scan the QR code, and you can fill out a questionnaire there. Um, if not, you can send an email to office at faithdiscovery.com if that's a little bit easier. But our baptism classes will be held June um, 4th and 11th, right before our baptism service. So if that's you, so if that is something you are interested in, please do that or see Pastor Jason. Um, if you are new here, if this is one of your first weeks here with us, welcome. We are glad that you are here. There's a couple ways to let us know that you're new or that you're visiting. Um, you can, again, scan that same QR code in the bulletin, or there's a place in the row in front of you that says, I'm new. You can scan that. And if someone handed you an information card or an I'm new here card when you came in, you can take that over to our information center, which we're just getting set up. Um, Pastor Jerry will meet you there, and we have a gift for you. So whether you scan the QR code and um, say that you're new, you can let him know that. 
um, that you're new that way or if you want to bring him the card. Um, and if you have any questions, he'd be happy to answer those as well. So thank you for being here. We have a couple more announcements of things coming up. First Peter is our Bible study um, book for the next few weeks. Um, we did we studied the book of First Peter with our children's church kids just a couple well, it was before, it was like 2019 maybe. We did, it was a little while ago. Um, we did the book of First Peter and the tagline for our study is where does our hope come from? Um, so if that's a question you're interested in, we answered it with the kids as we went through First Peter. Um, and I'm very confident that Pastor Jason and Pastor Dre will answer that question um, on Wednesday nights as well as they go through the book of First Peter. So if you're interested um, in that, Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock in the cafe and we would love to see you there. Um, also, Vacation Bible School, it is happening. We had our first official meeting uh, with our station leaders. We have, we, we painted. Even the adults, we, we're painted. We have some planets that are getting prepared, um, ready for the kids. So a couple things. Um, if you would like to sign up as a volunteer, we need your help to be with kids. We, we will train you. I will help you to know um, the perfect job for you to do on July um, 10th through the 14th. Also, if you have kids in your life, preschool through sixth grade, they are very welcome because we need kids too. We open up these doors wide. Um, not only to our kids here, but to kids in our community. So please um, invite kids that you know. Also, we don't charge for our vacation Bible school. So if you would like to help sponsor Child's Week at VBS, that costs about $25. Um, we would love for you to do that. Again, you can um, do that in an envelope and put it in a giving box um, and just mark it VBS or there are directions also in the bulletin about um, how you can do that online. We would love for that support, but we are getting excited and we hope that you will pray for us as that's coming closer and closer to July. Um, and lastly, um, you may have noticed if you've drove by um, Brass Castle over the last couple of days, we had lots of dirt piling up behind the fellowship hall. Um, we did some work back there helping with drainage. So there was a lot of digging, some pipes put in so that when our youth meet downstairs in the fellowship hall, no water meets with them. So that is a project that is needed to be done for a while. And thank you so much when we talked about our Christmas offering specifically, specifically going to to, um, some updates and some refresh and some actual um, mechanical work that needs to be done around here. That is a big project that just got done um, this week because of your giving. So thank you for being so faithful. The youth are glad that they don't have to maybe have a little soggy carpet every once in a while. Um, so that problem is fixed. Um, and thanks to you for being so, so faithful. We are so thankful for your partnership and everything that we do. We're thankful for your giving and your prayers. Um, those, If you look on the screen, those are the ways you can give. Um, and as we receive those offerings as deacons and as the leadership team we are so so grateful um we we pray that we use them wisely um and for god's kingdom so on that note i invite you to stand as we continue in worship says, oh come let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the lord our god our maker for he is our god and we are the people of this pasture kind of the theme of that psalm is really just that he is the king of all things he has created all things by him all things are sustained and so because of that he's worthy of worship when my husband shares this story he likes to say if god never did anything else for me 
but save my soul, right? And if you look around in creation, you can just see all these wonderful things that he's done for us and given us to enjoy. But if he never does another thing for us, he's worthy of worship just because of who he is, right? So let's sing this last song together.
pray with me this morning? Jesus, I'm suddenly reminded because of Samantha's encouragement and just because of the, that song that it's not what you do for me that makes you worthy of my worship. That you are worthy of my worship because of who you are. And yet, because of your love and your grace and your mercy, you come and you get to know me and that you love me and you work for my good. And so God, we honor you today. Be glorified by everything we say and do. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Children, you guys are dismissed to Kids Church. Thanks so much for coming and hanging out today. It's way more fun up there. That's what we tell them. We don't want them to know how much fun we really have down here. But uh, it's fun to watch kids run around at church. And uh, there's more and more kids running around, and that's great. It's exciting. Uh, thank you so much for bringing your kids or inviting uh, your friends who have kids. It's great. I am just going to skip the video because I forgot that we were going to play it. So we're going to go right in, and I'll do the introduction. We're, uh, if we haven't met, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here at Faith Discovery Church. It's an honor to have you join us uh, today, thank you so much for being here and spending a little bit of your Sunday with us. Uh, we are starting a new series today. We are going to focus over the next several weeks. It's going to be a little different. Um, at church, we're going to work through the book of James and maybe uh, read more scripture than we would normally would on a Sunday morning. But also, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, there's going to be some weeks where I'm not speaking. And that's not totally normal in our rhythm, but uh, next week for Mother's Day, we have a special guest who's going to be here, um, Donna James, who is Joy and I's pastor's wife. Uh, she's going to be uh, here uh, joining us next week, and she's going to share uh, for Mother's Day. It's, um, it's really a, a privilege that we would have her to be here, so I encourage you to be here. Uh, she uh, can bring it. Let me just say that. And so you don't want to miss uh, Donna. It's going to be an awesome day and I encourage you to be here. And then the following week, we'll be back to James. And then in three weeks, we're going to have uh, on Memorial Day weekend, we have the women of Hoving Home coming and sharing their testimony. And that's going to be awesome. Uh, it's, it's really an honor to have Teen Challenge and Hoving Home so local to us that we get to pour into both of those uh, places and, and see life change really happening. And then in June, first two Sundays, we'll be back to James. And then I will be away for two weeks. I'll be in Turkey, uh, in Greece. Uh, as part of my master's program, I am going to study Paul's missionary journeys. And so I'll be visiting the, Paul, the cities that Paul wrote to and uh, learning all about that. And you'll hear more about that probably next uh, in two, calendar year 2024. But uh, it, So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be in and out of the book of James for various reasons. By the way, the, the two weeks I'm away in, in June... Pastor Jerry will be uh, returning and uh, to up here. He'll be preaching, and so that's going to be exciting. Uh, all of you who missed 
how good a preacher he is and have been waiting for him to come back. That's what you're going to get that at the end of June. And so uh, that's that's going to happen. But we have a lot of exciting things happening. How many people love change? I just want all of you to look around and see how little, few hands are being raised right now. Most people don't love change. How many people would say they like things that will happen the way they know they're going to happen? They're way more. Yeah, there you go. See, the, there are times where life changes. Recently, we had a change here at Faith Discovery Church. And um, I, I heard a statistic this week. I heard a study this week that, says, that studied uh, high school and college students. And they make their, a high school and a college student will make their first, will, will make an impression on whether they like their teacher or not in the first five minutes of the first class. And whether they have that teacher for one year, four years, multiple semesters, no matter how many times they engage with that teacher, most students will never change their impression that they got in the first five minutes of their first class with that teacher. Most of the time, we, when we set our idea of what life is going to be, we're comfortable living there. I'm one of, I, I'm a hybrid. There are things I love change. And then there are things I don't. And it frustrates some people. For instance, some of you know this about me. I think I may have told this story once or two, twice. When I go to a restaurant, I know what I want. If I, as soon as I go there, if I eat something that's good the first time, the second time I go to that restaurant, you know what I'm getting? The thing I knew was good. So if an Italian restaurant makes a good chicken parm, it's probably what I'm going to get every time I go there. And it frustrates the heck out of my father-in-law. You know they probably make other good things. I don't care. I have in mind the way I think it should be. And so I'm comfortable living in that way, and so that's the way it's going to go. Sometimes, outside of my control, change happens. Change tends to occur in life. And so sometimes it's minor. Like sometimes you get to church, and there's a new information center over in the cafe. It's an awesome information center. Some of you are like, that looks like a bar. Doesn't look like a bar. It looks like an information center. And so you should visit it and find out information. Um, some of, so, here's one. Most of us who've been around here a long time, we know where the bathrooms are. Last week, we, uh, Andy was our, uh, we had a special guest, Andy, uh, Andy Lynn was our speaker. And afterwards, as, as, as is always the case when I engage somebody new, I'm saying, what did you experience? What was good? What was bad? And so he's like, well, I only have one piece of negative feedback for you. And I was like, okay. He goes, I didn't know where the bathrooms were. So this week we put up a bathroom sign. So if you're new with us this week, follow the sign to, to, to the bathrooms because that's an important thing to know. We have one, one person, I'm not going to embarrass him, but uh, one person in our church for three years didn't know where the bathrooms were. And so he would make sure he went to the bathroom before he came to church so he wouldn't have to follow through the embarrassment of asking the question, 
Where's the bathroom? But where's the bathroom is a really important question. It's the first thing you learn in Spanish class your freshman year of high school. Donde es el baño? Where's the bathroom? It's an important thing. But we like to be comfortable. We don't like to live outside of our comfort zone. Those are funny stories. They're informational tidbits this morning. But they're also a great setup for what we're going to experience as we begin to unpack the book of James. The book of James is a a book in the New Testament. Um, I'm going to bring up my notes so I don't get too far off track here. But uh, it's a book in the New Testament uh, between the book of Hebrews and then 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter. So it's in that back of the book, uh, back section of the New Testament that most people never work to. You see, most people as they think about um, studying the New Testament, they'll look at the Gospels and the life of Jesus. After all, Jesus is the central figure of Scripture. All of the Bible points to Jesus. Not just the New Testament. The entire Bible is pointing us to see our Messiah. And so if we want to see the Messiah, it's easy to, it's an easy starting point for us to, to, to read the stories that the people who hung out with him tell about him. And so we read the Gospels. And then we get into the book, of, uh, the, the writings and the letters of Paul. And we said uh, Paul wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else. He's a major factor. And so we spend a lot of time looking at Paul. And, uh, and then we get to Hebrews uh, as we work our way through. And Hebrews, if you didn't come to the Wednesday night Bible study last fall, Hebrews might be confusing. And then it starts to, the, book, the books get shorter and they're, in the back and it's not common and so a lot of people never make their way back there and uh some of the books back there i'm betting some of you never read they're less than one page long book like third uh third john or a book like jude they people don't we don't spend a lot of time looking at that stuff and so we come to the uh we come to the book of james this morning and just to give you a little background of it it's a pretty controversial book throughout history um, theologians for centuries debated about whether it should or shouldn't even be in the Bible. A lot of people thought it was a mistake to even include it. Um, and so, like, that even asks questions like, well, what are the purpose of all the books in the Bible? Well, let me give you an overview. The purpose of the books of the Bible are point towards Jesus. They should all point us towards Jesus. But some of them don't mention God. The book of James only talks about Jesus a couple times. But in its themes, we will see the transformative power of the Holy Spirit and how we're to live. And so uh, Martin Luther, who's a famous theologian, he hated the book of James. He called it an epistle of straw um, because uh, he had doubts whether uh, it had any value. And for some, those doubts haven't dissipated. Um, and so... I'm going to clear all that up. I'm going to answer all the questions. There'll be no more debate about the Bible when we're done this series. That is total sarcasm. Not, not going to answer all the questions. But the, the, the New Testament, the second half, the second section of our Bible has a lot of books. A lot of them are letters or their accounts. And every one of them, we believe, is divinely inspired. Um, and so no matter how much time we may spend focusing on one or the other, they all contain a message 
that the Holy Spirit wants us to know. They're all part of how God frames and works in us. But when some people read the book of James, and I don't know if you uh, follow us, uh, the church on social this week, but I encourage you to read the book of James this week. It's simply five chapters, and there was a background video I know some of you watched. And um, But the book of James can be viewed, viewed as harsh by some. Some people don't even feel like it's very Christian. Because um, it's mainly about moral, it talks a lot about morals, it's a lot of do's and don'ts. And uh, to put it bluntly, James sounds like Old Testament law. Or at least it sounds more like Old Testament law than most of us are comfortable with. We New Testament people, we, see, we are way more comfortable with grace than we are with law. You see, God's grace has made it so that we don't have to earn our salvation. There's nothing, there's nothing, and James will back this up, but there's nothing that you can do to make yourself right with God, sure, except for receive the grace that Jesus has given to you. Jesus offers us grace. It's up to us whether we want it or not. But that's the only thing we can do. Receive that grace. Accept that Christ has, has, has sacrificed himself for us. That's the only thing that we can do to bring us into a place where we are right with God. That doesn't come across much in the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament, sometimes it sounds like God is, is, a, is a heavy God. And it's a lot about rules. And James sometimes can sound like an inappropriate holdover of that. But unfortunately, that skepticism, that idea of law being more important than grace, is born out of a misunderstanding that people have about both sections of the Bible. And so let's take a quick word about each. Lurking beneath this critique of James is a deep-seated perception which is very prevalent even today in much of the American church, that the Old Testament is no longer useful. There have been famous preachers who say, we don't preach out of the Old Testament anymore because we talk about grace. That the Old Testament is really focused on um, moralism, and it's a harsh, cold, legalistic argument where people or arrangement where people were essentially saved by works moreover there's no there seems to be no concern with the heart because everything was about external ritual and and so if that's the case if that's the old testament and that's what james sounds like then 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 we want nothing to do with it and like most generalizations there's some truth there certainly the old testament was heavily focused on things to do, on rituals. But it's true that there's a strong law aspect of the Old Covenant. What's the centerpiece, the centerpiece of the law in the Old Testament? We're going to study them this summer, Ten Commandments. There's a lot of seemingly rules if you want to look at it that way. However, overlooked in that view is that an understanding that the old covenant, the old relationship between God and man, was ultimately this gracious arrangement 
where people were saved not through their works, but through the all-sufficient work of the Redeemer who would come. If you really unpack the Old Testament, here's the way it goes. God and man enter into a covenant, an agreement, and man breaks it. And God finds a way to redeem it. And then man breaks it. And God finds a way to redeem it. And then man breaks it. And God finds a way to redeem it. And then, after all that, we finally get to a place where man breaks it again. And God finds a way to redeem it. And there are consequences for man's bad choices. There are consequences for all of us when we make decisions in life. Jesus does not take away earthly consequences of mistakes. If I speed, but I'm a Christian, and I tell the cop, and I get pulled over and I say, officer, it's okay. Jesus has forgiven me. You know what the officer's going to say? You still got to pay the ticket. There are, there are things that there, there are earthly consequences with things, but there are, God ultimately has covered our mistakes and he points to us to a redeemer who says, who loves us. And so we're in a new covenant that says it's not about what you do in response to God now. Now, when we mess up, God covered it. Jesus covered it. When we mess up, Jesus covered it. When we mess up, Jesus covered it. Old Testament was this relationship that if we behave, we walk into the blessing of God. But if we fail, we can, we can face judgment. But God's ultimately going to bring that judgment around to bring us back. Like, like parenting a toddler. Oh, isn't it fun to parent toddlers? Said no one ever. <laughs> I heard that's different. Grandparenting toddlers. God was trying to always bring the, bring the nation of Israel back into the right place. But through the work of Jesus, we simply have to receive what Jesus has offered us. And so James comes to author this book, understanding that he's coming to a place where leading people where they're, they're living in this new way. But James is one of the first books that was ever written of the New Testament. Think, uh, James wrote this book between years, most scholars will say between the year 40 and the year 45. It's before Paul has even journeyed on one missionary journey. And so James, who, there's a lot of Jameses in the New Testament. This James is the half-brother of Jesus. For most of his, most of his life with Jesus, he was a skeptic. And then he has this life-changing experience, and he comes to Christ, and eventually he becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. The church of Jerusalem being the first church. James is the first pastor, if you will, of the first church in Jerusalem. But first century life for Christians in Jerusalem, especially in the years, say, like, after Christ died, well, really for a long time. First century life in Jerusalem as a Christian was not easy. There was famine. There was, um, come on, Jason, don't forget the word. Uh, there, was, uh, there was persecution. There you go. There was a lot of things that caused, and eventually a lot of the Christians in first century 
Jerusalem scattered. They, they moved to other places to find food or work or escape persecution. And so James is now writing to the, in, we can go to verse 1. We'll just skip right to verse 1. He's writing, it says, uh, James 1.1 1, 1 says, A servant of God in the, uh, and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes scattered amongst the nations. Greetings. James is writing to, to Hebrew people, to Jewish people spread around the Middle East. That's his, that's the start. That's where we get. This is before, this is before Paul has started his missionary journeys, but sometime after Peter has visited Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10. So the Christian church knows that Jesus is available to not just Jewish people, but to Gentile people too. Jesus is available to everyone. The truth, the love, the grace of Jesus is available and offered to all of us. By the time James writes this book, he knows that. But predominantly, he's writing to Jewish people because that was the most of the people that were in the church in Jerusalem who had left. He's all business. James is like a super type A guy. He's not much for small talk. His hello is hello. You ever know anybody who's like doesn't have time to, to, to like deal with the small talk. They want to get right to it. James wants to get right to it. I was talking to somebody this week, and they were talking to me about how much they love being early. How many people love being early? It's like 30% of us. How many people couldn't care less when we get there? There's some of us too. So this person was telling me about how much they love being early because when they get when they're late, and some of you will know this, it starts to like develop agita. Like you start to get like, you, you feel a just tenseness that you, you've got to be there on time you made a commitment. Well, I was talking to this person and I said, that's how I feel about efficiency. I want to leave at the exact last second possible to get to the place I'm going bef- the moment I need to get there because I want to feel like I took advantage of every second possible before I left to do all the things I could. And the person said, you have problems. I was like, well, it's all about efficiency. James is a man of efficiency. Greetings. Letters were too expensive to dictate short talk, uh, small, small talk. He gets right to the point. And then he gets, uh, so let's, let's get into what he talks about. Starting in verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Let me say, starting at verse 5 again. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Verse 6. This is where it gets... This is where James starts to get the reputation of being, like, tough. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should, that person should expect to receive, uh, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Ouch. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. 
Okay, thank you, James. James is writing to a bunch of people he feels so like loving towards. These are his people, and they've left him, and he's writing to them, and it's early in the church's development, and he's basically saying to them, listen, the Christian life is not always going to be easy. We know that that's true. Jesus said, you'll receive, uh, Jesus told the disciples in John 16 that they would have trouble. We see Paul talking about periodically throughout his uh, letters about how to deal with people when they're having trouble. There are times where it's not easy to be a Christian. This morning when we read the call to worship out of first, out of first Peter, Gary wrote, 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 uh, read how Peter wrote and talked about uh, needing a cornerstone, needing to find the security because uh, of Jesus, because in the security of Jesus, it helps us handle when life is difficult. There are going to be times as a Christian when life is difficult. And James wants to make that point known right away. This is early church stuff. These, they didn't have the rest of the books for theology. They're learning how to be Christians in this difficult world. And they're going to new communities. And there's a bunch of Jewish people, when they would go to a new city, here's what they would do. They would go to their synagogue to try to meet like-minded people. And they would go to the synagogue, and they would go with this hope of Jesus. But not everybody in the synagogue understood that Jesus was hope. And so they go to this new city where they feel uncomfortable, and they get to their people, and their people don't receive them. And everything they thought they knew, the the things that they were comfortable in, suddenly are uncomfortable. And they're living in a world that knows nothing but change. Remember we talked about it before? How many of us are comfortable with change? These people that James is writing to have nothing but change, and it's all difficult for them. And so he's writing them, and he says, Chapter 1 is really the foundation for what we'll talk about in the whole letter. But he starts right at the beginning, and he says, it's going to be hard sometimes. And the first thing he tells them when they're dealing with a difficult world is to ask for wisdom. This week in our devotions, uh, on our, in our team meeting on Wednesday, uh, we looked at 2 Samuel 8, and we talked about uh, how Second Samuel 8 details all of the success that King David had in war. And he overtook this person, and he beat these. And the kingdom of Israel grows by David. It's bigger than it was. It's this growing and blessed kingdom. And eventually David dies, and he hands... Uh, Maybe that's a fair, very generous way to use that word. But eventually the kingdom passes to Solomon. And now Solomon is the king of this growing and prosperous and blessed kingdom. And he goes to, and God says, you can have everything you want. And Solomon says, I need wisdom. And for my whole life, I heard that story. And we praise Solomon for for being so wise because he asked the question that ultimately led to him not only getting, God says, I'm not only going to give you wisdom, but because you asked for that, I'm going to give you everything. He was smart. And so as kids, we've, everyone who, of us who hears that story as children, we think, what's the thing we could ask for that'll get us everything? 
It's only recently that I've realized Solomon's request for wisdom comes from a place of being completely overwhelmed by his situation. I don't know how to do this. I've got to lead all these people. Can you help me do this? And so Solomon's in this world. It's difficult. He doesn't know what to do. And so his response is to ask for wisdom. And James says, oh, we're the same way. When you don't know what to do, ask for wisdom. Now, there's one thing that's indicated there. When you ask for wisdom, what is that? It's prayer. Pray first. That should be our plan every time. When we're, when we're faced with an issue in life, pray first. It's never a bad decision. And James says, when you pray, ask God for wisdom. Ever been so overwhelmed you didn't know what to do? Ask God for wisdom. And then after asking God for wisdom, James says to trust God. These early church Christians, they were experiencing all new experiences. Many of them lived in new cities or and they were struggling to find community. And people that they knew or they expected to receive them didn't always receive them very well. And so James writes to these people who are unsure about how life's going to go. And he tells them, trust God. Ask for wisdom and trust he'll give it to you. Ever, we're going to be vulnerable for a second. Ever ask God and pray about something and we didn't see the result right away, you started looking for a solution somewhere else? God, I need, for Joy and I, for many years, that was about our finances. God, I need you to provide. Amazingly, he always did, but that didn't always feel like that. God, I need you to provide, but when God didn't provide by Tuesday, how else can we make money? What else can we do? How can I solve this issue? And James is telling these early Christians, trust God. Don't look for other solutions. Trust God. I'm not telling you... (laughs) Don't let your takeaway today be, well, I just got to pray and not have to go to work because God will pay the bills. But when you're faced with a solution that you don't have an answer to, ask God for wisdom and trust that he'll give it to you. Verse 9. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but rich should take pride in their humiliation. since Since they will pass away like a wildflower. By the way, that is interesting. Humble people. What he's saying, believers in humble circumstances, those of you who are poor, consider that a blessing. But those of you who are rich, you're in trouble. Nothing wrong with being rich. But what James is saying is if you have the ability to trust in yourself so you don't have to trust God, the things that you trust in aren't sustainable always. Can't promise they won't go away. We've seen time and time again in the last hundred years in our financial system. We have things called securities. 
They're, they're the things that we can take security in. And yet, there are no guarantees in that. We want to be wise. We want to invest. We want to save for the future. But if that's where we take our security in, James is saying, it's actually better to be poor than to find your security in your money. That's totally opposite of what we know to be true. But James is is urging people, trust in Jesus. In the middle, I don't know how it's all going to go, but trust in Jesus. This is a person who didn't trust in Jesus most of his life. And then he watched his brother come back from the dead as he said he would. And so James has got to be in the position where he's like, I know you think things are bad. But I've seen Jesus do things in way worse situations than you're in. Trust in Jesus. We're not going to get through everything this morning. But just one more point. We're going to go to um, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, having stood the test. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. After James completes this greeting, he starts to talk to his people, his loves, about how to live in a difficult world. How to be a Christian in a difficult world. Anybody ever, how do I do this in this world? Or am I the only one? The first thing that James says, and it's the thing we'll stop with this morning. He says, persevere. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. And so to you this morning, I say, I don't know what's going on in your life, but don't give up. Don't give up. James says, I don't don't know what's going on in your town, but persevere. Dig into Jesus. That's where your security is found. Your Your trials are hard. Yep. Dig into Jesus. Are they getting harder? Dig more. He goes on in in chapter 1, we'll talk about it in coming weeks, but to talk about how to live as a Christian and how to represent Jesus in the world. But before he talks about how to live as a Christian or, or how to represent Jesus in a difficult world, the first thing he wants them to know is, don't give up. Jesus is not going to give up on you. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to forsake you. And so if you're here this morning and you're dealing with something you don't know how to deal with, you don't know how to work your way through, you are, the prayers, you've prayed, you've gotten to the point where you don't even know how to pray anymore. Don't give up. Don't give up. You don't have the finances, don't give up. Your marriage is in shambles, don't give up. You feel like you have no purpose. You don't know why you're here. Don't give up. Things aren't going right. 
don't give up. You don't like the past and you feel bad about the person you've been, don't give up. Trust in Jesus. In the middle of all of it, Jesus will work it out. And he will not abandon you. Yeah, but I've done too many stupid things. Jesus can't let... Don't give up. If you've given up on yourself, don't give up on Jesus. Because he hasn't given up on you. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, as we come to the communion table, I pray that you would inspire us. Inspire the one of us here this morning who's ready to give up. God, if we don't have faith in the world, or if we don't have faith in ourselves, help us to learn to have faith in you and to persevere and to look at the difficulty face on and say, God, I believe you. You're bigger than whatever I face. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite the elders and we share communion at the end of each service. I'm going to invite everyone to stand. If you'd like to participate, if you'd like to join us, you simply stand and come forward in the center aisle closer to you and receive the elements from one of our elders. And as you do, you'll take that, go back to your chair and we'll, we'll share communion together. But I invite you to come. Luke 22, Luke accounts or writes his account of the Last Supper. And we often read from this or in 1 Corinthians, but there's a a passage before Jesus talks about the bread and the cup. And he says, Jesus said to them, well, it says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus came to the table knowing that on the other side of the table 
meant tough things. And yet for the opportunity to be with his people, he couldn't wait for it. He eagerly desired to be at the table with his people. And then he goes on to say, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. And then he would take the cup after the bread and he would say, this cup represents the new covenant of my blood. And he would talk to them about what it meant about what he was going to do. You ever have a thing coming up that you don't want to do? Every day is getting closer and closer and closer. and can dominate your brain and dominate your mind. I don't want to do that. 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 Well, when Jesus had that, all he kept looking forward to, when that's coming, I get to eat dinner with my friends. I can't wait to eat dinner with my friends. Jesus can't wait to commune with us. And so if you're here this morning and you are in that place, you don't know what's happening. Jesus sent his spirit to be with you always. He can't wait for you to receive him. So he took the bread and he broke it. And they shared it, but he blessed it first. Would you pray with me? Jesus. God, I can't wait to be at the table with you again. But I'm so thankful that you've sent your spirit, that I'm not alone and that I can persevere, I can walk through, I can walk with confidence that you're with me through anything I face. In your name we pray. Would you take the bread? And then he took the cup. Let's pray. Jesus, this cup represents your blood. It represents the new covenant between God and man. It represents that there is now nothing that can separate us from the love that's in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that each of us would receive the offer of grace that you bestow. In your name we pray. Would you take the cup? Would you stand as I offer today's benediction? I know I've been a little longer. I'll try to be mindful of that as we work through James. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God, I pray for the person in the room or the people in the room who are, per, who are in the face of trials that they don't know how to work through. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would help them to persevere to push through, to trust in you, and to seek your wisdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you so much.